Back here on Darren, Donnie, and Chase on this Tuesday morning. We're sitting here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. If you're looking for a place to have lunch today, you're down in the downtown area, come on over here. Burger and a beer for $12.50. Their food is really, really good here. We know firsthand. Darren McFarlane, Chase McCabe alongside. Willie D will join us in a bit. We say hello and good morning to Mitch Light from Athlon Sports. Mitch, how you doing? Hope you're doing well. Yeah. You too. Hope you had a good weekend. I did. I did. Although, uh, real quick, I know you guys are not, you know, uh, well-versed sports fans. I grew up a big fan of the uh, New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets, so I took the boy to Memphis to watch the Nets play the Grizzlies Sunday night to watch them lose in overtime at the buzzer. So other than that, it was a great weekend. Oh, wow. Uh, how's the crowd these days for Grizzlies games? It wasn't great. I would say it seats about 18. I don't know what they announced. My guess is they had about 10,000 there. Kind of a, it's a 5 o'clock Sunday, more fan fr- family-friendly. Um, I don't think expectations are high, although John Morant's a very good, uh, fun young player. I, I suspect they'll get better as, as, you know, if Morant continues to play well. It's actually my first time at the FedEx Forum been to oh, some wow. uh, Grizzlies oh, game wow. back when they played at the Pyramid, but had never been to the FedEx Forum. It's a nice place. It's a very nice arena. Yes. I've been there for wrestling. And a great, great location. Yeah, great location. Uh, not, not to get too – comparing it to some other new arenas, there's a, to my, there's a lot of seats in the upper deck. Almost too – you know, compared to Bridgestone and some – it seems like there's too many of the seats are in the upper deck and in the end zones. There might be too many of the seats aren't – aren't great viewing, but maybe they're more affordable that way. Who knows? But uh, well, it's definitely the, a cool place. The good news for uh, the FedEx Forum, this college basketball season, those seats in the upper deck will probably be full. Yes, yes. Sky, obviously, uh, optimism for the Tigers, sky high. No doubt about it. So I want to start in a weird way before we uh, delve into some of these matchups and what took place over the weekend. What do you make? I'm sure you've seen the report out there, Adam Rittenberg with ESPN.com. What did you make of him tagging Jeff Fisher as a potential target for uh, Vanderbilt, oh. the next head football coach of Vanderbilt? Well, you know, uh, you know, you guys know how this thing works. He, you know, and I, I know Adam very well, actually. He used to write for Athlon Sports and a very good reporter, so I'm not saying, you know, he could be true for all we know. But – Agents talk, people talk, and when you see lists like this, just because someone's name has been uh, mentioned doesn't mean there's anything to it. Obviously, there's no opening right now. That goes without saying. Uh, I chuckled. Um, I've always thought Jeff Fisher, um, in his younger days, would be a good college coach, uh, even though he has not coached in college. Maybe he did right after he graduated from USC, but his energy thought he'd be a good recruiter. But at this time... Doesn't seem like it'd be a, 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 the, the right fit for all parties involved there. So I, I did take note of that, kind of chuckled, and then, you know, it seems to be uh, uh, people around the the Internet not taking that one too seriously. Yeah, it's just strange timing, right. too, right? You come off a, a win over a ranked team, and this comes out. I mean, I, you know, you would think they lost to Missouri 48 to nothing, and then this right. article comes out. Right, but, you know, it, it's it's in, in what Adam was doing. It wasn't a specific report. Right, yeah, right. It was more the entire, for those of you who didn't see it, the entire landscape, it went all over all the schools that might have an opening in a few months and here and threw out a bunch of names for each school. So, um, you, you know, how these things work. So, uh, but uh, definitely interesting. No doubt about it. What did you make of Tennessee handling South Carolina in the fashion that they did? Yeah, uh, surprising. I'm not surprised they, they won the game. In fact, I. 
Um, had I felt better about their quarterback situation going into the week, I probably would have picked Tennessee uh, to, to win that game. Um, obviously, Jared Garantano played very well. Didn't get the start, um, which in a, in a weird thing, um, you know, they started in the Wildcat, and then Shrout gets the first true quarterback snap, but Garantano played very well. Th- th- that game was just about big plays, and, and we talk a lot. That's what offenses need nowadays. It's very difficult to, to move up and down the field as 8, 10, 14 play drives. When you can get the big plays, it helps out so much. And we've talked all year. They, they do have the weapons on the outside. They have the weapons at the running back. If they can get consistent play from the quarterback position and the offensive line can protect, they can score. And so that was definitely promising for Tennessee moving forward. And for South Carolina, a little bit alarming. Uh, the defense had played so much, you know, Played well in the win over Georgia, keeping Georgia out of the end zone for the most part. Um, Ryan Holinsky has, you know, through over, I think, 50 passes, some accuracy issues there. They, too, have good receivers. You know, Brian Edwards made that fantastic catch. They start the game on 75-yard drive. So it was an entertaining game, no doubt. So it is interesting after we talked so much about Jim Harbaugh in Michigan last Tuesday with you that it was, I think, the very next day he comes out with a letter to the families, I'm not going to the NFL. Don't believe any of the reports. You know that was yeah kind of a crazy storyline. And then they just hammer Notre Dame on Saturday night. Yeah, impressive win, um, no doubt about it. You know weather impacted. I think the, the the play calling for both teams. Michigan rarely threw the ball, um, and then when they saw Shea Patterson try to throw the ball left handed um, on a lateral, I think they they shut him down after that game after that play pretty much. But very impressive and a much needed win for Michigan. We, we They played better in the second half against um, Penn State. You know, Michigan's not into moral victories and all that stuff, but it, it was noteworthy that they did look better in the second half in the loss at Penn State, and they looked gr- good on defense, and it was, tr- it was a troubling loss for Notre Dame, but I give all the credit to Michigan, all the adversity, all the talk around them. For, the, for them to pick up a win in that fashion was very important for that program. I was watching Paul Feinbaum this morning on Get Up. I don't know if you saw this. No. My goodness. He was just like, he was not very kind to Brian Kelly. I mean, it was, he just said flat out, Notre Dame like needs to move on from him. In fact, his words were, give him a gold watch and move on because it's stagnant. You know, basically he's, he's reached the, the ceiling at Notre Dame and, and they need to go get Urban Meyer. We all know Urban Meyer is going to land somewhere. I've never felt like. Florida State because of Florida. I never felt like Michigan because of Ohio State. He doesn't want to mess with those fan bases. He wants to still be loved by them, and if he goes to those schools, he will no longer be loved by them. So he needs no attachments to those schools, and USC and Notre Dame do make sense because that keeps everybody happy. Well, a couple things there. Uh, first of all, Paul Feinbaum last week said that Jim Hart, you could find a better coach um, – to, for Michigan by opening up your phone book, which really don't exist anymore, and picking a name out. So after, so I guess if he thinks that lowly of Jim Harbaugh, what does he think of the guy that lost to Jim Harbaugh? So you can right. see where that, that's going. <laughs> so um, I, I don't subscribe to that theory at all. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly won 10 games in 2017, won 12 games last year. 
they're five and two this year. They could win eight, nine, ten games this year. Uh, the, you could, the Notre Dame's ceiling is a whole nother debate. Whether or not you think they're a championship caliber program. They did play in the playoff last year. They played in the BCS championship game in 2012. Now you can argue whether or not you believe if you thought they should be there. But aside from that four and eight aberration in 2016, they've been a consistently strong program. Now the Urban Meyer talk. Uh, there's some Notre Dame people I follow, very, connect, very well-connected people that I follow on Twitter who cover Notre Dame. Someone brought that up to them and, and basically said no chance of that happening. But if you guys recall, back in when Urban Meyer went to Florida after his undefeated season at Utah, he had the choice between Notre Dame and Florida and chose Florida. You know, he'd been a former assistant at Notre Dame under Lou Holtz, so there was the tie there, but he chose Florida. I don't know if there's any bridges that were burned by not picking Notre Dame at that point, but I will give you that. If Notre Dame did come open, which I don't think it will, and he wanted to get back in coaching, that seemed like it would be a perfect marriage if there, if there are if there's still bridges uh, that haven't been burned. Isn't it amazing what Alabama and Clemson have done to all these fan bases and everybody else in the, in the boosters of these big programs? It's like unless you're winning it, unless you're playing for national championships, they, they are just not satisfied. I mean, just think about what you said. Notre Dame went undefeated the regular season last year. They went to the playoffs. And, yes, a lot of people, like me, didn't think they were that good. I thought they were a fraud, and they got smoked. But they were in the playoffs, and they went undefeated. You know, it, it, so it's not like they're not relevant. Michigan, now, do, does anybody remember the Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke days? I mean, <laughs> I, it, it's just crazy because I know what they're doing. They're saying we we should look just like them. And so it's like they go crazy if they're not winning it. And I think, Clem, I think really, in just my opinion, I feel like Alabama and Clemson have done this to all these big, huge fan bases. Agree yeah, or disagree? I- yeah, I mean, I see see your point there. Let's throw some other teams in there. Georgia, who, you know, Kirby Smart appeared to be knocking down doors that Mark Richt couldn't quite knock down in a short amount of time. But now, if they don't make the playoff this year, it's like they're regressed. And what's going on there? Look at Texas A&M. We talk about them spending $75 million. They don't spend $75 million on a coach and, and half a billion dollars on stadium renovations to go eight and four every year. Um, there's more programs spending more money than we've ever seen in fan bases. Boosters expect great returns on that investment, and you do the math. Not everyone can win, and then when you have two programs that are winning every year that are hurdles for everyone, it makes it that much more difficult. So that you know, it's it's part of the reason we love the sport. Part of the reason it kind of it, it's maddening, but uh, it's just the, the landscape of college football right now. Mitch Light from Athlon Sports is here with us on Darren Donick and Chase, and uh, I guess we're going to have the battle for the SEC East this weekend: Georgia, Florida, the cocktail party taking place in Jacksonville. I mean, is that? Is that the right assumption in your mind that the winner of this game is going to be playing in Atlanta here in a, a month or so? Yeah, Chase, I don't see you know how how we you could come up with any other scenario. There, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that, that that Missouri, when they were two and zero, might be a team to to watch out for. But clearly, they're 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 like an old college basketball team. Remember teams that just get smoked on the road and win at home all the time. That's kind of what they are in football this year. And, 
So the winner of this game will have obviously a one-game lead over the team it beats, which is basically a two-game lead because they'd have a tiebreaker. And then uh, then Missouri with two losses, Tennessee with three losses. I, I don't consider either of those a serious threat there. So yeah, this is this is a huge game for both teams, not just because the SEC East is at stake. It's because the winner will only have one loss, and, and the college football playoff b- remains in the picture. Now both teams will have some you know some serious. Uh, difficult games uh, ahead of them, um, but it, it's fascinating. You know, heading into the season, would you guys have thought that the spread in this game would be so low? I think it's six. Um, yeah, with Georgia, Georgia by six. Right, uh, but you know, Georgia clearly has not played up to what we thought we'd see from Georgia this year, and Florida looks like you know a legit top ten team, if not better. Um, despite having its backup quarterback and a suspect offensive line. So I think Georgia's my pick this week, uh, but I wouldn't pick them to cover the spread there. I don't know if I trust their offense against that really good Florida defense, and Florida's getting a lot healthier on defense, on the defensive line, and in the secondary. So this one should be a defensive battle. From a playoff standpoint, I believe that the question is not which of these two teams you know, is, is better in beating each other or whatever, but which team do you think has the best shot of beating either LSU or Alabama in the SEC championship game? Uh, oh, between Florida and Georgia. That's, yeah. Uh, the, the, right now, I don't know, Chase. I honestly don't know. I, I want to see more from both teams. I want to see more from Georgia. I, I think I, They I think haven't Georgia shown a lot my, in the last few weeks. Yeah, they, they, I, think, I mean, they've shown a lot of bad. Yeah, I, I think Georgia would be my answer because Georgia has a higher ceiling than, than Florida does, in my opinion. I, I still think Florida with its uh, uh, has some uh, offensive not inadequacies. Not, that's not the right word, but I still don't trust their offensive line, um, although LSU and Alabama aren't as ferocious on defense as we usually seen. So um, that's a good question. I, I still think I'd say Georgia. I just think at their peak, they are better than Florida and would give Alabama slash LSU a more difficult game. Another game that I am intrigued by is not in the SEC. It's a top 25 matchup. Game day is actually going to be in Memphis as undefeated SMU comes to Memphis to take on the Tigers. This is, this is pretty cool that this uh, matchup is taking place. And SMU, they've been fun to watch this year. Yeah, two programs that – and have just a few years ago obviously we all know SMU's issues going way back but uh just a few years ago were two of the worst in college football and Memphis you know in about a six seven year period has come so far I like Memphis comfortably in this game I think they're the better team they do have a loss on their resume Temple kind of controversial if you guys remember that call late in the game that was overturned um, and then but they they beat Tulane by 30 they also have wins over Ole Miss they beat a good Navy team uh, so I think they're the better team uh, SMU with Shane Bouchelle at quarterback has been a great story they're very good offensively uh, but I like Memphis at home but I'm with you uh, Chase fun to see these two, these two teams on a national stage last thing <clears throat> real quick <laughs> Excuse me, Mitch. I'm getting choked up. Getting emotional, you, I know. I am getting emotional. If I was a Wisconsin fan, I'm emotional. <laughs> so we talked about the Badgers, right? Their, their incredible start and their defense and how good they looked. And then the last two games, it's like just a big splat. What, what do you make of that? And I guess is it safe to say that they were a fraud all along or no? I, I, I don't know how to answer that question because – they were so dominant that I didn't care who they played. Like you just you don't shut out four teams, four 
four out of six teams in college football and then hold you know Michigan to you know dominate them like you did without being good. So uh, fraud's a strong word. They clearly weren't national championship good or playoff good. Um, you know, losing at Ohio State 38-7 to is, is no crime. It doesn't make you a bad team. You can still be a top-10 team and lose that game, but then when you throw in the Illinois loss, that's more troubling. I think they'll bounce back against – they get a week off against Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, Minnesota. I think they will win out, um, although the, you know, the Minnesota game will be difficult. I think they're a good team, just not a great team. Um, I think we see their offensive limitations in the passing game, and if you can slow down Jonathan Taylor like Ohio State did, you can make them one-dimensional. But uh, they are a very in- interesting team, Darren, because of how dominant they were early in the season. You know what's interesting is no one, and I mean no one, I'm not even sure in that state, no one is talking about Minnesota. <laughs> PJ, no one is talking about Minnesota. Right. I don't know if you guys saw his uh, passionate plea to get game day there next week for the Penn State game. Minnesota's undefeated. Penn State's undefeated. Both have a week off this week. They're playing at Minnesota next week. It'd be the biggest Minnesota football game I know in my lifetime. So I, yeah. I, I think the, and the interesting thing, and PJ Fleck mentioned, that's their own, they're the only Division One football team in that state. They're the only Division One basketball team in that state. Think of state wow. of Tennessee. I think there are ten <laughs> D one basketball schools in Tennessee. There are four in Nashville. There's one in the entire state of Minnesota. So Man. his point was, hey, you'll have the entire state. I think he promised game day there'd be four million people at the game day. I don't think he can really <laughs> deliver that. But PJ Flex probably said a lot of things that aren't true on the recruiting trail. So you know. Oh, knows. that's good. Hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate uh, you understanding uh, having to shuffle some things around today. So thanks. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. No problem, Darren. Take care, guys. All right, Mitch Light from Athlon Sports, also Vanderbilt sideline reporter. We will come back and wrap up the first hour. First, want to say thanks uh, or congrats to Julie and in Murfreesboro, and thanks because thanks for, thanks for listening because you were a lucky caller for Julie is going to Nashville SC at First Tennessee Park on Saturday. So good job by Julie. We'll come back, wrap up the first hour next. <laughs> 